Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking right now about proof assistance. These are software tools that are supposed to help you write down mathematical proofs uh, in some notation that the tool is going to check. About and these proofs can be about you know any kind of domain that you can manage to to formalize to describe formally in the language of the the tool. And we've talked about Calk, we've talked about Agda for a little bit. Now I want to try to talk about Isbel. And part of the reason my episode here is so delayed, sorry about that, is um, I don't know that much about Isabel, and so I wanted to try to learn. And goodness, you know, there's a lot to learn on one of these tools. They are complicated. And there's, there's good reason that they're complicated. They're trying to do something pretty amazing. You know, in some ways, they're trying to, they're trying to realize a human dream of, of sort of certainty of knowledge. That sounds pretty, pretty impressive. How can I be really sure that something is true? That's a pretty fundamental human aspiration. And these tools are, in a certain dimension, you know, providing pretty much the best human solution that we have. Uh, but that that does engender a lot of you know that's that means it's a, they're, they're tackling something pretty pretty major. So um, anyway, so on to Isabel. So Isabel, like uh, like Koch and Agda, um, Isabel has a pretty long history. It's been under development and continuing to develop and grow for a very long time. And as a you know theorem prover implementer myself, I'm definitely inspired by um, these researchers who've made this really powerful tool and continue to develop it and document it and apply it in new ways. Um, it's pretty pretty impressive, pretty awesome. Uh, so Isabel is a bit different from the um, previous two tools we talked about because those tools are based on constructive type theory and um, Isabel is not. It's based on, ultimately, it's based on, um, it's based on higher order logic. Okay, wait. Now, Isabel, more knowledgeable Isabel experts, you know, please have pity on me, um, being a novice here about Isabel. So actually, Isabel implements a meta logic. So it's meant to be a sort of meta tool that would let you describe and, and carry out operations for, um, for different kinds of logics or logical theories you'd want to embed in it. Now, it happens that higher-order logic, as far as I understand, um, all, all evidence seems to suggest that higher-order logic, the specific kind of logic called higher-order logic, is by far the most developed and most used theory um, within Isabel. Um, or, yeah, I think they call it a theory. They have Everybody has their own terminology for things, which I respect. Um, so, um, but in principle, Isabel can be used to represent other kinds of theories. Um, but as I said, though, in practice, it seems like the main focus is on higher order logic. And higher order logic, yeah, it goes back to Church's simple theory of types. I think that's the name of the paper. He has a paper um, from, uh, I've, I've looked at this paper, not terribly long ago, but I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly what it's from. I think it's from the 40s, but I don't, 1940s, but I'm not sure. Um, in which he basically proposes a foundational system for, a foundational logical system for reasoning about mathemat in mathematics or whatever else. Uh, and it's a, it's a based on a typed, a simply typed version of his lambda calculus. Apparently there he had tried to use 
sort of an untyped lambda calculus as a foundation, um, but ran into to problems which are not terribly surprising, really, um, because untyped lambda calculus, you know, it's great for writing general recursive programs, but you have to be careful if you want to try to use it in some way for sort of like proofs or something like that. You'd have have problems. Um, but a typed language worked out fine. And so uh, you can think of, what, I mean, the difference between Church's theory of type, type theory, Church's classical type theory. So this is a classical theory. It's not um, intuitionistic. Uh, it's not constructive. So you have P or not P um, is valid in this theory, unlike in constructive logics. So uh, you can think of it as kind of like a typed set theory, really. Because the, the difference between a set and a predicate um, that uh, describes the membership of the, in the set is, is important. I definitely think it's important, but it's not humongously different. Um, I mean, so the, I think it's pretty fair to think of this as sort of like a typed set theory. So we can sort of form sets of things uh, of certain types. Um, and looking through the Isabel Hole um, uh, sort of like standard library or um, some collection of Isabel developments, there is a sort of set theory, uh, set theory that's that's based on the higher order logic that's there. Uh, so um, anyway, so it's not constructive, and there are, uh, but. Uh, an important part of um, Isabel Hole, and in general, an important part of the whole mindset, because there are a number of other provers out there that are trying to implement this kind of higher order logic. Um, there's Whole Light. Uh, there's Whole. I think this thing called Whole Four. Who knows? Maybe it's Whole Five for now. I don't know. Um, and. Um, an important part of the, my, the philosophy for these tools is to have a really small set of axioms to which you try to reduce everything you care about. Um, you know, as a foundationalist, I, I definitely like that idea. I mean, a sort of practical, pragmatic foundationalist. I, I'm trying to do the same thing as well in my work. I want a small foundation that you can then reduce all your, your stuff to. And so... Uh, it's a little hard. I, w I was struggling a little bit to find exactly what the set of axioms is for Isabel. I looked in, you can look online if you search for sort of like Isabel Hall theories or something like that. You find pretty nice, pretty nicely rendered um, files that you could browse through to see different theories. And there's, it's quite extensive. It's rather large, um, is my impression. And I looked at the whole theory to try to see the axioms. And... Um, so equality, typed equality, like sort of like a polymorphically typed equality is a primitive. So you can have equality between any two element, two elements of a, of a single type. And this gives you a Boolean. So in these theories, bool is actually the type for formulas, which is weird com coming from constructive type theory where that's definitely not the case. Like in constructive type theory, you declare a data type of Booleans and you think of this as, you know, there's true and there's false and you don't use the data type of Booleans for writing down formulas like in, with quantifiers in them and stuff like that. Um, but it, it, instead, there's, um, you use 
I mean, in, in Calc and in Agda, you would use types to describe formulas that you want to prove. Booleans are just like a data type, like lists or strings or characters that you might want to write programs over, but you don't use them to express complex logical statements. But in Church's theory, you do. There's just a type bool, and um, you know that's what you use to, like if you want to have a relation, like a binary relation on A would be have type A to A to bool. Um, so there's not this distinction that we have in constructive type theories between the sort of booleans and formulas. That's that's so it's kind of nice actually in that sense. Those things are kind of combined, merged, um, with uh, just you know reducing a, a potential area of confusion. That's that's good. Uh, there's also um, a description operator, so you can you can you can uh, there's an operator that says the x which satisfies a property. So the give me the x like give me the function which is the inverse of um, exponentiation, right? You could write that and just so this is part of the amazing nature of you know working with something non-constructive is you can just ask for things out of the sky. Um, you may need to prove that there is such a thing, but you could use non-constructive methods to prove that if you wanted to. Um, but so there's this definite description operator. They, they write the, like the X such that a predicate holds. It just magically gives you, um, I forget, I think they do require, I don't know, I actually don't remember. I think there's, there's different setups for that kind of operator. Some where you demand that there's a unique thing that satisfies a predicate, and some where, and so I, I suppose that since they're using the keyword the, which I saw looking through whole.thy, uh, that, that to me suggests that probably it's, this kind of, I think it's called definite description operator, where we're, you're really demanding that there's a unique thing that satisfies a predicate, and then you get it. Like the inverse of a function. There's just going to be one inverse. Um, so, uh, if there is an inverse, I suppose. Um, yeah. Okay, so I found some axioms in there. But anyway, alright, so there's this, but, but stepping back from that, there's a small set of axioms, and then looking through, and I actually happen to have a copy of the Isabel book, but it's rather old, and Isabel definitely has been under what seems to be pretty active development. So I am a little worried that things may have drifted pretty far from what the book says, but um, that, that was my handy carried around with me source. So I, <laughs> um, I have a feeling that, you know, I'd be surprised if it had changed enormously since then because they have a pretty strong foundation. They have, things have thought out, you know, pretty well. It would be pretty radical to just kind of like do something totally differently. Uh, and as explained in this, you know, book, which I guess is 20 years old. I didn't, I don't remember what the date was there. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely will, I'm attempting to refresh my knowledge, but again, this is why my podcast is like two weeks late uh, because I'm trying to look into all this stuff. So um, you, when you're, you know, so you can write, you can define functions. Uh, you need to make sure they are um, terminating. There seems to be some pretty fancy business going on with that. But definitely you can just write a primitive recursive function where it's just terminating by structural recursion, which covers loads of bases. Like, that's definitely a good start. And, and then you can write theorems about it, about such functions. And um, so you're going to prove equalities, mostly. 
you prove algebraic laws like associativity of list append and stuff like that. And the style, so Isabel is a tactic-based prover. So you do write, um, at least that's one mode of interacting with it. There does seem to be some sort of more structured proof editing setup too, called Isar or something like that. At least that's what the book talks about, <laughs> the rather out-of-date book. Um, uh, but that, there are tactics, and they give examples, and this is the one thing I want to share as far as I've gotten so far, is uh, um, there's kind of, with proof assistance, in my experience, there's sort of a little bit two camps, of kind of like one kind of tool, you're going to write down a fairly detailed proof, and you're going to have tools that let you sort of look at that proof and kind of, you know, you, you, you sort of care about the proof itself as you've constructed it as a sort of formal object. And there are other tools that maybe are a little more focused of like, just let's just get that theorem proved and not, you know, worry too much about the sort of exact formal structure of the proof. Um, and so there's, in that second camp, uh, the goal, like ideally, that second camp would really like to see that you just state theorems and just say, tell the tool, please check that that's true. And it just says, yep, that's good. And you just move on. Now, of course, as you know very well, I think that uh, that can't be done in general. You can't, you know, theorem proving is in general an undecidable problem. So you can't just pose theorems and hope that a tool could just always tell you yes or no that theorem is true. Um, even in cases where it's not undecidable, it may be wildly intractable. So it might be that you pose a theorem and it would take some enormous number of years to compute, to get a proof of it if it's true, or, or even or disprove it if you could. Um, but there's sort of a compromise, which is the Isabel, old Isabel book I'm looking at talks about, which is, and, I, and this is also true for ACL2, which is that you're trying to sort of approximate this goal of like, just, I'm just going to tell you what I want you to prove and you just go check it, Mr. Proof Assistant. Just tell me if it's true. And since that really can't work in general, um, uh, the idea of some tools is you sort of pose your theorem, you tell the tool, please do your best to try to prove this. The tool will come back to you and say, oh, I can't, I kind of got stuck here. And you look at where I got stuck and you say, oh, okay. I think what we should do is prove a lemma first that will help us get past that stuck point. And so you pose sort of a new theorem. It's like, hey, could you please prove this theorem for me? And, you know, depending on how hard what you're trying to prove is, you know, this chain of lemmas may go on for a while. But for, well, you know, for simple things like proving associativity of list depend, I mean, that one probably won't get stuck at all. But small ones, you know, not too complicated theorems about basic functions, basic recursive functions like this, um, you're uh, you're gonna prove a lemma, you know, like you like you try to prove a theorem. Oh, it's like you just you just say point and shoot. It's like go blow, blast it away. It can't. It tells you I kind of got stuck here. You look at that. You scratch your head and say, oh, okay, maybe we should first try to hit this like closer target. So you put a little easier target up and try to shoot that down. Sorry for the violent metaphor. And then you know eventually you get to something where the tool's like, oh, I got that one. And then based on that, you can these tools usually can sort of. You can tell them kind of like, why don't you make use of that lemma as you try now to prove this other lemma? And the tool then may succeed where it couldn't prove it separately before.
And this all really comes down to inductions. I mean, you're, you're trying to prove things inductively, and you might need several inductions to get to what you want to do. And it's, you know, very hard to automate induction, and definitely automating nested inductions is, you know, um, pretty hopeless in my opinion. Although people have done research on this sort of thing. So Isabel, at least one mode they sort of talk about in the book is that this kind of mode is like, pick a theorem, tell Isabel to do induction, see where it gets stuck, pose a lemma, tell it to do induction again. Like induction and simplification, induction and simplification. You kick off an induction, you know, you're doing a list induction, you're like, oh, in the cons case. Now a bunch of things can simplify when I know my list is a cons. And, I mean, which is true in the other provers we've talked about too. It's very standard way to proceed. Do induction, simplify. Um, okay, uh, I'm definitely going to try to talk more about Isabel in a second episode. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the tooling. I have downloaded and installed the tool on my computer, and so we'll explore that a little bit too. Um, thanks a lot for listening. Drop me a message anytime, and I hope you're well.